Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. gentlemen it is part two it is episode 309 and i am joined I'm, i guess i should say my name my name is brad roland i am the host of this podcast usually and i'm joined by my frequent regular however you want to say it co-host eric coleman scott coleman and if you missed it part one of this podcast talked about the regular season and the clinching uh week that the braves had this time around celebrating that performance their fourth straight division title and much, much more. So if you missed anything from that or just didn't even know it was there, check your podcast feed. That's episode 308, and that should be there if you're listening to Pleasure right now. If you listen to this podcast, this is part two, and it's going to be myself, Eric, and Scott talking about the Braves and the Brewers. The NLDS begins on Friday. We are recording this Sunday evening, so keep that in mind. If things have changed, roster decisions uh, will be made in the coming days. So we only know what we know right now on Sunday evening. Keep that in mind if you're listening to this podcast. But Eric... Scott, thanks for joining us. And to avoid that uh, that awkward silence that we often get, Eric, hello. <laughs> I'm I'm really surprised you haven't like fully committed to just calling me Scoops. Like I was a little bit worried, kind of at at, at times with the first Friday recording that that was just my name now. Eric, uh, so Scoops I appreciate Cole. that. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, really excited to talk about you know this upcoming series in the playoffs. Really excited just to talk about playoff Braves baseball, where there was a significant stretch of time where we just didn't think that was going to be in the cards. So exciting to, to be able to talk about this team and just looking forward to talking to you guys about it. Yeah, I think we're in for a really good series and we're going to go through why I think this is going to be such a good series. But on paper, I think these are two evenly matched teams. Um, I think this series has a potential to be one of the best uh, series played in the playoffs all year long, regardless of opponent. And uh, yeah, it should be really fun and a lot of good stuff to dig into here. I was going to ask Scott about the Indianapolis Colts, but we'll say, we'll say that for another day. A nice win. Hey, for your Colts, they Scott. finally, the, yeah, well, um, I, my heart goes out to the, my poor Falcons fans. My, I'm sorry about that one. <laughs> I caught the highlights. It was, it was, the, it was the usual. It was the usual. That, that game was a pillow fight to the death is what that was. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Alas, I wanted to whisk derail us briefly here, but uh, as I sort of teased in the last episode, this is a rare time when we've known the opponent for the Braves for a few days and even dating back like a week ago scott and i talked on this podcast we were like all right if the braves win we know who they're going to play in the first round it's one of the situations where there was no mystery there was no home field battle it was like all right they're gonna play the brewers in the first round if they, if they win this thing and they did uh the series is not open until friday though a long time without baseball after every single day for a long long time having four full days off for the braves uh gonna be strange but game one is friday in milwaukee Game two is Saturday in Milwaukee, and then they have a day off on Sunday before coming back to Atlanta for Monday and Tuesday, game three, game four. And then Wednesday, next Wednesday, is a day off 
and then if game five is necessary, it'll be next Thursday in Milwaukee. And I honestly, I had kind of forgotten on some level the insanity of last year's schedule where there was just like no days off. It was just absolute insanity. This is a more normal schedule, but you can get through an entire playoff series and your game two starter in this series could pitch game five. And that would be a regular rest. It's going to be a very strange, I mean, I guess it might help the Braves uh, to be well-rested bullpen-wise and uh, Morton, Freed, Anderson-wise. But that's the schedule. And I guess there are some roster choices. We could probably start there and then we'll get into some Brewers talk because they have to get down from 28 where the roster was in September, including Spencer Strider, Eric Scoops Cole, uh, down, down, down to 26. So the number one question, and I guess I'll go to Scott first here, is uh, how many pitchers do the Braves carry? Because that's a debate that's been happening for like three days now between, I think, 13 and 14. Uh, for a five-game series with two days off in between and four days off before, it seems kind of insane to me to carry 14 pitchers. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. Scott, what do you think about that? No, I feel the same way. Uh, we were having this discussion a little bit over the weekend, and it'll be very curious to see. I think if there's one thing that worries me with this team right now, it's exactly that. It's what bullpen arms do you trust outside of that group of four or five who you know are going to be on the roster and have pitched well for the most part? Um, yeah, I, I, in a short I'm glad you mentioned just the absurdity of last year where they had literally no days off. Uh, and I know it was the COVID shortened season and all that. And I, I know it's, it's a special kind of season and year, but um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I'm, I would be fascinated to know where everybody stands in the pecking order as far as the bullpen right now, because you know that your games one, two, and three starters are Morton freed and Anderson, presumably in that order that we will see. Um, and, and the bullpen, we know, who is going to generally get the seventh, eighth and ninth innings. Um, but on the chance that one of those guys doesn't work, one of the starters doesn't work deep into the games, uh, or you get a scenario where there's extra innings or something like that. Um, that's where for me, the, the roster decisions are really going to come down to over the next couple of days. And frankly, I'm, I'm, if I had to guess the Braves are probably working in overdrive right now, trying to figure out, based on matchups and strengths and weaknesses of this Brewers lineup, what guys they want to carry. Yeah. And one consideration here too, um, is I don't think that the Braves call up Spencer Strider if they're not at least very strongly considering carrying him on the playoff roster. I was going to ask you this. That's good. Uh, well, and, and it's, it's an interesting question, right? Cause it's not as simple as just, well, they called him up so that he's on the roster. They'd have to petition the league to do that, and that means that they would have to have an injured player to, like, fill that spot. And you can't just do, like, a phantom IL stint and be like, oh, this guy's hurt, so we're putting this guy in there. They basically have to have a guy who's already hurt and then shift them to the 60-day IL or, you know, or and they have – and they not only they have to be hurt, but they have to be eligible to return already. Uh, so that's like a guy like Josh Tomlin is an option there. Obviously, Ronald Cooney Jr. is an option too, but that doesn't make as much sense, especially if you're doing like this petition process that they have to go through to put him on the playoff roster. But I, I just don't, I don't see why do you call up Spencer Strider Ross to, to, the, to your major league roster if your plan is to just start him in two meaningless games against the Mets? 
right? Yeah. Unless you're wanting to give him a little bit of an experience out of the bullpen before you're going to put him on your playoff roster because you think he is one of your best bullpen arms. And to be blunt, I think he is one of their best bullpen arms right now, especially in terms of upside anyway. He, he, if you need, especially a righty, you know, you want a guy who can throw 100 at the top of the zone against a tough righty. Um, and they don't necessarily have those kind of high-quality right-handed arms, especially, I mean, they have Luke Jackson, who is has earned the trust that he has has gotten. But beyond that, are you particularly excited about running out Chris Martin against a, a guy that you really, really need to get out as a right-handed arm? Uh, Jesse Chavez, is that the guy that you're really going to be leaning on? Dylan Lee, who got called up the same day. Uh, you know, Jacob Webb is probably like the next guy that's kind of in that same discussion, but it's they have a lot of lefties in that pen and they need a big power arm righty. And once you have Strider in the mix and it feels like to me, unless they saw something they really didn't like, which I just don't see that they, I don't think they did. Then all of a sudden, like you're adding another name to the mix and then it makes you start wondering, does that mean that Jesse Chavez is out? Um, you know, does that mean that, you know, I think Rich Rod's going to make the postseason roster, but he hasn't been particularly exciting, especially lately, you know, it gets really interesting, especially since that guy can pitch some, like he can pitch two or three innings if you really need him to. And they might again, go to like a bullpen type arm, a bullpen type game if they really need to uh, maybe if they needed that fourth starter slot or whatever. So I, I'd carry Strider, but after that, you know, it gets a little bit murky after like kind of the guys that we at least know are going to be on the roster, even if we don't fully trust a lot of them, you know, guys like Minter and guys like, you know, Will Smith who, you know, they're going to be on the postseason roster. But once you get past that, uh, you know, there, it gets it gets kind of interesting. Yeah, so I think we'll, I think we're kind of in agreement. I think thirteen is what I'll project for now for pitchers. We know with pretty much confidence it'll be Morton, Freed, Anderson, and then Eno will be will be on the roster. It seems whether he starts Game Four or is in the bullpen is kind of for debate. But Snicker talks about how he'll, how he'd be available in the bullpen for games one and two. That implies he would be on the team, so that's four. Uh, and we can talk about game four in a second as well, just as a general exercise. But then you throw in, I think there were probably six locks for the bullpen, and that is Smith, Jackson, Matzik, Minter, Martin, as shaky as he's been, I think is going to be on the team. And then I put Chavez in this group because he's been so good for them, and he's a vet, and Sticker seems to like him. He's been their uh, their opener when they've gone to those bullpen games, etc. Could be wrong about that, but that's the six that I have as locks. And then you have a bunch of guys who are options. Uh, Bowman, this is a couple days ago now, but he projected Rodriguez, Newcomb, and Webb as the final three. The other options other than those three guys would be Drew Smiley, um, Strider, of course, and then maybe Lee or Tomlin, uh, who I think there was like a sort of a false alarm with Tomlin. Like he almost came back and then didn't. Not really sure what's happening there. Um, None of those guys are great options. I mean, I think Smiley's actually been pretty decent but he's not the kind of guy that you would love in that role. Maybe if they have the bullpen game plan for game four, having Smiley to be able to throw three innings if you have, if you get in a, in a jam could be interesting for them. Um, like Obviously, Rodriguez was acquired to be part of the bullpen, but he's been quite bad for like a month now. His ERA is near seven in the month of, of, September, of September, I should say, and his FIP is like north of six. This is the craziest stat for me. He has nine strikeouts in 26 innings with the Braves. It's impossibly bad for a reliever. That's scary. Well, and that's not only scary, but I mean, especially so in a playoff series. Like I I, I said this on Saturday night and some people told me I was crazy and maybe I am. I don't think Rodriguez is a lock. Like 
He's he has been on my watch list for a reason. So <laughs> bad. Yeah. Or yeah. even like on the probables. Like I would give him like a 40% chance as of recording this. It's really interesting because it comes down to like whose decision this is. And this is one of those questions that we don't, that we'll, we'll never know the answer to. Obviously, Anthopolis is technically Brian Snicker's boss. So he, he could overrule Snicker. Uh, Snit seems to, tends to like veterans, which goes back to the Strider thing as well. Like, is Snick going to trust Strider in a playoff game? I don't really know. Uh, his stuff's great, obviously. But Rodriguez, they, they didn't pay a lot for him. Obviously, we joked about it endlessly. Like, they didn't give up much of anything for any of those guys at the deadline. But he's a guy who was a quote-unquote closer somewhere else who has a track record that's pretty, pretty established. But yet, he if you look at the numbers, you look at the way he's been pitching, his actual performance in the last three, four weeks yeah. is pretty hideous. So, like, I, I don't really know. I mean, I think he yeah. benefits from having a lack of options. Like, when your other options are Jacob Webb and... Sean Newcomb and like hmm. obviously Strider I think has a better arm at this moment in time but I, I think I would probably go higher than you on him actually being on the roster whether you like that or not is a different question I think it seems likely that he'll be there but maybe just they have seen what we've seen and it's a little bit scary I mean what do you think Eric you think that Rodriguez is gonna be on the team because that's one of the questions that I was when I, when I was making the document I was like man he feels like he should be on the lock list for like what they actually think of him but also i can't ignore how bad it's been so i had to put him on the non-lock list for me i think he makes it personally just if for no other reason just like the other options available right like i I think that he's had a bad month to be sure and i i completely get like the peripherals are scary like you know this not missing strikeouts nine (laughs) like not missing bats is a big deal i just can't imagine a world though where sean newcomb with this many lefties in the bullpen like that's the guy that you carry over, like a like a righty that's like just better than he is. Well, I, I, I'm kind of with you, but when Bowman puts him on there, yeah, not, not, I, not, not, not to say not, not to say that's gospel, but I, I don't think I don't think Mark is just like guessing. I think he probably has some sort of reason why he put him on that projection. Well, and, and we're uh, also how 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 long ago were his projections on that? I think it was like three days ago, Friday. Yeah, I, I, I'm like. I, it, I maintain that uh, if you're if we're just like that that last spot, if like Strider's not already on there, then like I can't imagine a world where they would like call up Spencer Strider for two appearances against the Mets and then put Sean Newcomb on your playoff roster. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Rich Rod, like at least I understand a little bit more, and I'm like, I I understand completely like the rationale for maybe not putting him on there. I do, and like I wouldn't be like upset that he w- if he was left off, but my, my bigger issue would be like. You, you need someone better than Sean Newcomb on like he wouldn't like Rich Rod would not be my first cut amongst the three that Bowman mentioned uh, between Newcomb Rodriguez and Webb uh, Webb seems pretty I, I feel I feel confident in saying Jake Webb's gonna make this playoff roster I'm pretty confident in Rich Rod I don't think that Sean I think they would be Spencer Strider over there okay so that's your projection and I'll go back to Scott too and then I guess I'll, I'll weigh into Eric if it was your decision who do you go? With? I know Strider would be on the list, but who, who would you go with for those last three spots if you were if, if you were suddenly the GM of the Braves? Who, who would you mm. go for those last three <laughs> Okay, well, it wouldn't be Tomlin. Let's just go ahead and knock that one out. I understand. Um, <laughs> Basically, you're again, just to remind everybody, the options essentially are Smiley, Webb, Rodriguez, Newcomb, Strider. Okay, so... And, Dil- and Dylan Lee, if you want to go Dylan Lee. I don't know. Well, I, I think that the the reason they pull, call up Dylan Lee was like, 
to figure out between which one of those two guys that they would prefer to add. And I think that they would just prefer to add Strider. That's just my personal, that's just what I think would happen. If it was my choice uh, between those three guys, I'd, I'd add Webb. Uh, I would add Strider. I'd leave Drew Smiley off, but I would oh, respect. That's offensive. Other... That's offensive. That bothers me <laughs> my core. That's all that is. I'm kidding. Uh, well, I mean, you go, you can go ahead and be upset about it, but there's a reason why they don't <laughs> trust that guy. Um, uh, and I think that's, I don't think that necessarily the playoffs are when you want to have a guy who has issues, both like getting past any like tough parts of a lineup and also issues with the long ball. It's just not the guy that I want up there. Uh, he's kind of the same problem. There's other guys in this bullpen that have similar sorts of problems. Uh, looking at you, Josh Tomlin, that you just don't want that. The, he'll give up a big hit and you don't necessarily need other relievers in, the, in your bullpen right now that can give up big hits and cause you big problems. Uh, I think I'd, I'd think I'd, as much as it would pay, pay me to do so, and I get where Scott's coming from, I probably would at, keep it. I would keep Rich Rod on. But I, I, yeah, that's not a spot that I feel necessarily particularly great about. Okay, Scott, same question. Yeah, so I'm, I guess probably for the sake of the podcast. So I actually think Drew Smiley will be on the roster. Um, I don't know. I mean, in theory, uh, we'll see what they do in game four. And of course, we, you just never know, not knowing how the games one, two, and three are going to go. Right. If you assume, and this is a big assumption, but if you assume that uh, that it would be the choice between Charlie Morton on short rest or Waskari Noah. Is that if I looked at the calendar correctly for that one? Uh, yes, or or a full-on bullpen game like the way they've been doing it recently with the sure. you know Chavez opener or something. I mean that's that's an option. I'm not sure how likely they are to use it, but they've now done it I think three times. Yeah. maybe in preparation to have to do it in the playoffs. I don't know. And, and you could even use Waskar in a bullpen game. Correct. Yes. Right. So be. I don't know how the Braves feel about Enoa. Um, you know, that, that would be a question for Alex Anthopoulos in the front office. If, if they feel good about him getting the ball in a game four scenario, or if it would be one of those where, all right, Waskar gets the ball, but as soon as someone gets on base, yeah. the bullpen starts to stir a little bit. Well, and Smith um, did say that he'd be available in the bullpen for game one and two, which is like, I'm not sure what that actually means, but it does. Yeah. it's noteworthy to me. Sure. So, if, yeah, of course. If, if game one goes 14 innings, of course. Yeah, I mean, every, in theory, everyone other than probably Max Freed is available in that kind of a scenario, sure. right? Um, yeah, so I, I think they would carry Smiley just as someone who is a veteran. We talked about that. Um, he's left-handed. He, he can throw a couple innings if you needed him to. Um, again, these are not great options, but I think in a perfect world, you're probably not needing these, these guys who we're discussing a whole bunch, especially with those two built-in days off if they're needed. Um, I would go with Spencer Strider. I know he's very green and has all of two innings under his belt at the big league level, but give me the power pitching this time of year. Give me the guy who throws. I thought there was a stark contrast a year ago when the Braves, which in the bullpen last year was good, but they were throwing out relievers who were throwing in the lower mid-90s, it seemed like, versus the Dodgers bullpen, where I swear everyone was throwing 101 miles an hour. <laughs> and not that velocity is the end-all be-all, but in a short series, it, it, I will take 10 times out of 10 the power pitching, the guy who can throw 100. Um, you know, again, I, I don't think Strider's going to get a one-inning or one-run lead in the eighth inning by any means, but I would take him. Um, I, th I think Jacob Webb, despite the last week, I think Jacob Webb has pitched pretty well over the second half. So I would get Webb on there as well. Um, I just, I have a hard time trusting Richard Rodriguez right now 
the way he's gone over the last month or so, I mean, I don't think he has, he has like one clean appearance over the last couple of weeks. And even that one, I think there were two balls that were hit almost to the warning track. I mean, he is not missing anyone. You mentioned the strikeout numbers again, not that it's the end all be all for leaving, uh, you know, for bullpen work, but I think of that group, I would go Strider, Smiley and Webb. And that was your, that was your picks at the end there. I think that's true, but I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think I would project, well, this is not my choices, but I would project probably what Bowman projects. I think I'd probably project Rodriguez, Webb, and either Nukem or Smiley to be, my, to be what actually happens. And then I would go with uh, Webb, Strider, and Smiley. I would leave Rodriguez off because he's been dreadful, and uh, I would not touch Newcomb. I mean, I, I know I've le- I've long been a uh, Sean Newcomb bullpen advocate, but I've waved the white flag. Uh, Sean Newcomb, if Sean Newcomb comes into a game, I'm turning the TV off. Well, I'm mean, going to go for I, a walk. Again, again, I don't want to put too much stock in it, but Bowman yeah. projecting Sean Newcomb on the, on the playoff roster uh, is, boy. means he's maybe heard something. So maybe. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Uh, he's He has an ERA of near five. And by the way, Newcomb for the season – is walking more than seven batters per nine innings. We are back just, to the just, Sean Newcomb. Just what you want to see in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, so I would not take Sean Newcomb. So just to be clear, I would personally take Smiley, Webb, and Strider. And I'm putting my entire basis on Eric Cole's evaluation of Spencer Strider. That's, I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I, I, I'm only, I've seen the man pitch once in my life. So just got to be honest with you about that. But the stuff is apparently – popping and that's very clear even though even though in the one time i saw him pitch over the over the weekend it was very obvious what his uh, stuff looks like so um that's interesting to me again there's multiple considerations game four plan 13 versus 14 pitchers but we kind of generally know what's going to look like and there'll be some nuance that uh, i think our friend sean coleman will tackle on the podcast later on in the week with daily hammer talking about uh, so when, when hopefully we'll get a roster before the actual day if not then we'll have to adjust on the fly but that's a good discussion about the bullpen and pitching staff overall. And uh, before we get to a break, I do want to ask you about the starters real quickly. Um, I think it was Bowman. So either Bowman or Dob had some people yelling at him about uh, it not being Freed in Game One, um, in part because of how good Freed's been. I personally have no issue with that at all. I think Morton is very good. Um, I, I'm not even sure what to make of Game Four, but I guess I, since we are uh, loosely supposed to give our analysis here. Uh, say the Braves are down two to one in the series, and Game Four is happening, uh, and it's a must-win. Obviously, uh, you can't afford to go down with anything better, anything worse than guns blazing. We'll go to Scott first. Like, what do you do in a Game Four if you if if it's win or go home time? Do you start Enoa? Um, do oh. you just go like? everybody available and throw one inning at a time like what would your approach be for for a must win game four obviously this is all hypothetical but that's the other big mm. question other than the bullpen right now you know that is a good question it's a tough question and i i would boy i don't know how charlie morton feels at age 37 about going on short rest Me neither. um <laughs> he, right which is not so you know morton all everyone is different some guys like to be on normal schedules. Some guys like extra rest. I think Max Fried is someone notoriously who has pitched even better when he has an extra day off. Um, you know, I, I don't know that. So I, it's kind of a cheap answer, a cheap way to answer your question, but 
you know, if, if Morton's up for it and he feels good and he is absolutely confident he can be uh, his close to his normal self, I would probably go Morton and then know that I have Max Freed ready for game five on normal rest. Um, but again, it's just so hard. I think you just get a better sense and feel of the playoffs as the games progress. How, you know, what's the status of the bullpen? Um, did you have to use one of those guys in an unexpected way in games one through three? Um, well, I guess to answer your question, I would go with Morton on shorter rest, but again, he's 37 years old and has a lot of mileage on that arm. It may just be one of those things for him. Like it's a non-starter, like you're worried about injury or something like that at that point. Um, so without knowing that for sure, I would lean Morton, but I guess I would, I would hedge that a little bit. Yeah. I think like the preference would be that you'd rather have Charlie Morton make that start. Uh, but some like it's hard to evaluate all this in a vacuum, right? Because Big like, time. what if, like, if if they lose game one, where like Morton doesn't look good and gets beat up by the Brewers' offense, which isn't particularly a scary offense to be beat up by, like, what's the value that you're getting in starting him on short rest necessarily, right? So that that makes it tougher for me. I think I still prefer him to start on short rest, but like they've seemed like far. They have not if they've been able to give Charlie Morton extra time, like in between starts, they've really, really kind of leaned towards that. I mean, so he's, I, he's older than I am, Eric. He's, yeah. He's yeah. He's, yeah. He's an, he's an older guy. He's been great, but you need him to be great for, for an, at least another season. And like, you don't want to like, you're one of your best arms in your rotation. You don't want to completely cash that out in the first round necessarily, especially if you have confidence in a bullpen game strategy it's like you feel like you have the arms and you have like if you have a matchup figured out and that's this hard to, to really i guess project like do they feel like that they know what these brewers hitters are going to be doing what they're going to be looking for and do you think that you're the guys that you're going to be running out in a in a given bullpen game will be able to execute a plan that will be around the same production maybe not quite as good as like a fully rested charlie morton would be theoretically right so again i i think i would prefer to have charlie uh i would have like no problems with him like being on a short leash for example or at least maybe not have him a full throw a full game maybe just let him go once through the order to kind of split the difference between like you know a full start versus you know not playing him at all just kind of get him once through the order and then get him out of there so that way he gets at least a little bit more rest that way like everything's on the table we all i know is that i'm really excited i mean like last year in the postseason against the dodgers we saw bryce wilson who somehow pitched out clayton kersh out pitched clayton kershaw and aj minter make starts so i'm not like yes yep yeah and and by the way both guys are really good so you know everything's on the table here um and as long as i think there's a plan in place again if you just have a bullpen game and you just like you well this our bullpen game lineup is just these pitchers and we're just gonna have to hope that it's good enough if you have a plan in place it's a little bit different um and i think that you like it's hard to be upset with that with that and it really kind of just depends on what's happened in the series um you know when you're throwing a bullpen game it really does matter how much you've thrown those bullpen arms too and what they've looked like so all, all this is something that's just hard to evaluate in a vacuum i think that i prefer morton but there's a lot of things that go into it Definitely. We'll talk about that if and when it happens. And it's also different, obviously, if they're leading 2-1. I think if they're leading 2-1, you're a lot more likely to see a bullpen game than you are Morton on three days rest if you are if you uh, also have Game 5 um, looming with um, Morton and or Freed available. So we'll get into that when we get into it. Um, 
quickly on the position player side, before we look at what the Brewers are going to be bringing to the table, um, I think there are 10, like, uber locks. And that is the uh, the two catchers, Darno and Contreras. The starting infield, of course, Freddie, Ozzy, Dansby, Riley. And then four outfielders, Duvall, Soler, Jock Peterson, and Eddie Rosario. That's 10. Um, so the question is, going back to the pitchers, do you carry 13 or 14 pitchers, which means do you carry 12 or 13 position players? Uh, we are get we are the three of us are going to guess thirteen. That means you have three spots left, and your options for those three spots would be uh, Adrianza, Arcia. Those guys are both backup infield options and uh, utility options. You have Heredia as your best defensive outfielder, and then you also have uh, the X factor of Christian Pache, who has not been around much this year. But obviously, glove speaks for itself legs, all that stuff, he would be, particularly if you're going to carry 13, there would be some real utility, I think, into having Pache on your roster for um, situations. So uh, Scott was first last time. Let's go to let's go to Eric. Uh, what would your plan be for the final three spots beyond the locks on the position player side? Um, that's really tough just because only carrying one backup infielder is – in some respects, a little bit scary, especially when that guy's here, Andrianza. And if you get in the kind of a, a longer game and you just don't have a guy who can play short or something, if something happens, uh, I think if I think if it was my plan, it would be Heredia, Adrianza, and Pache. Just because I'm kind of with you, like like Pache kind of has some extra utility, uh, and he's also looked pre- pretty good down there in AAA uh, to, to round out the season. So I would like that. I think what ends up happening, I think Heredia is, he's, I think he's very close to a lock. I agree. Uh, I, uh, and I think that Adrianza is very close to a lock. And I think they might end up just taking our, they might just carry Garcia. Yeah, that makes sense. All the way across. Um, Scott, do you have, uh, do you have takes on uh, whether they should carry Pache? Yeah, boy. I th- I think ideally they would have seen him a little bit in the last couple of weeks, if, if at all possible. Um, I, I would like to have him on that roster for all those reasons outlined, but man, um, I don't, I don't know if it's likely uh, we'll see. Um, I think Arcia has a little bit of versatility as well, which is, which is nice. Um, I would lean towards him and Adrianza being on the roster over Pache at this point. It's not necessarily the decision I would make, uh, but I do think because they just don't have a lot of uh, trust in Pache right now, given where he was this year, um, I would I would guess they will lean for one of those veteran types. But um, it is, it, again, it's one of those kind of like the bullpen. It's one of those real decisions they have to make here because for the most part, we know who is going to be on this roster uh, of those 10 locks that you just alluded to. Yeah, I think there is, this is very nuanced and it's probably small i think if you had an outfielder on your team that uh, of the locks that was also like capable of playing an infield spot like if you have this like versatile guy who was one of those four outfielders maybe that would open it up to go to pache a little bit but because you know obviously duval Soler, jock and rosario are not going to be playing infield even in emergency situations like you might want to just have two backup infielders on your on your team in adrianza and arcia if something goes um, very wrong and also you know Riley and Freddie are corner only guys as well which again we're going de- we're going deep into the uh, disaster scenarios but you have two corner only guys in your infield uh, I don't know if they're going to want to 
fool around too much um, with stuff. Brad could get his his dream of Ozzy Albies at shortstop. That's pretty exciting too. Listen, uh, it's too late. All, all, all these years too late. Uh, it's still a good joke though, all the way around. But yeah, I I will be surprised, not shocked. I'll be surprised if they carry Pache. I'll be surprised, not shocked. But I, I do think that I personally think more of that utility of having him than I think maybe the team would, just because his glove is so good and he's also very fast. Uh, they don't have a great pinch running option on the team either right now. Well, they have some guys that can run. Don't get me wrong. But they don't have like this like burner type. And Pacha's not necessarily that either. It's not like he's going to be Billy Hamilton. But they don't have like a speedster um, either. So, And honestly, one of the things about the outfield that's constructed right now is that you know Duvall's a good fielder for sure. But I think you're going to see, if they're leading, you're going to see Heredia in there. I think at least you probably should because he is clearly their best defensive outfielder among those five. You know, Pache's better. But if you take Pache out of it, um, if you're kind of going in planning on maybe using Heredia in when you're leading, that also takes away – not doesn't take away depth, but you know what I mean? Like if, if that's your plan, if you if you lose a lead and, you're, and suddenly you're in this uh, situation where you have to play Heredia the rest of the way and have him hit and all that stuff, it's, it's a little bit dicey at times. I don't know. Yeah, I think other than an occasional pinch hit appearance, you hope – I mean, God forbid somebody get injured – uh, you hope that these guys really aren't needed a whole bunch um, other than a pinch hitting role or those late inning defensive switches or, or something like that. But I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and we'll see again, this is, uh, you know, the bench has been a, a point of uh, debate over the last couple of postseason <laughs> rosters. I mean, I think none of us will forget the 2018 bench where it was oh like, my God. like literally if, if you or I or Eric had a couple weeks to get in shape, we might've been able to get a bench spot. I was like, they could could have signed me up as a third catcher is better than the guy that they ended up putting on the roster. It's also also like, we're only a year away from, you know, Pache had to hit a lot in the playoffs last year. Like that happened. Like they, they, and this year that's not going to be an issue. Like they have, uh, they have four guys they trust at the plate anyway, in the outfield. Like they've had some glaring holes at times in uh, both bench and maybe even starters at times the last couple of years in the playoffs. They don't really have that right now, barring, couple injuries i think you're probably two injuries away from having like a real hole like that which is nice it's it's a nice part it's a nice problem to have um all right that's probably enough on that we'll see if again if we get word on the playoff roster maybe sean will touch on it on the daily hammer but that's probably a good sort of primer for now um after a quick break here from our sponsors we'll get into the brewers and uh our first like kind of team breakdown other than the braves this season on the entire podcast so uh, stay tuned for that we'll be right back support for this show comes from vanta Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. All right, gentlemen, uh, the Brewers are the opponent. We know that. Um, I think Eric referenced it earlier, but this is an offense. We'll start there. This is an offense that's not particularly exciting. I mean, as, as good as they, as good as the Brewers were this season, and we should just kind of, I guess, say it out loud as a, uh, as a good host would have already, the Brewers 
cruised to the National League Central title by five games, and their lead was much bigger than that. Their lead was like 10-plus at one point. The Cardinals won every game for a month, basically, and the Brewers pedaled off at the end when they when they weren't trying to lose their last four. They were like on pace for like 98-99 wins for a lot of the season this year. They were very good, but their offense is not that good. Uh, famous last words, knock on, knock on wood, all that stuff, but they had 91 WRC plus as a team. That is below average in the National League. It's below average overall. They do walk a lot um, at near 10% walk rate, but their power is not particularly exciting. Um, they are good defensively. That's worth pointing out. They were actually top four or five in position player war as a result of that, but it was mostly defensive driven. Their, their offense is not particularly exciting. And even like for a team as good as they were, they scored 738 runs this season, which is uh, only four more than the Phillies scored. And the Phillies won 82 games. So, this is an offense that was not particularly exciting this time around. They have some guys that you know. You know, Christian Yelich is famous. He's not great this year. Um, he's been up and down in his career. Like, Willie Adams has been awesome. He's been their best player since he came over. Um, Abisail Garcia, Lorenzo Cain. They have some names you might recognize. But um, I guess we'll go to Scott first. Like, I'm not trying to jinx it, I promise. But this is an offense that does not scare me, really at all. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they. I was looking at their, their roster on fan graphs the other day. And there are some... I think names that it, that uh, uh, what's the right word? Educated baseball fans are familiar with, but to a casual fan, you're right. There are not. I think the Braves clearly have a lineup advantage in this series. Now we'll get into pitching in a minute, and I think that's a little bit of a different story. But offensively, there's really there's really not a whole lot in this lineup that really scares you. Um, of course, Willie Adamas, who was acquired midseason from Tampa Bay. Um, he has been great. I mean, truly one of the best hitting infielders in the game. Uh, Christian Yelich had those two amazing years, and then he wasn't great last year in the shortened COVID year. And then this year, uh, he's been okay. I mean, again, he's he's a couple years removed from being the National League MVP, and he is somebody who can certainly hurt you and is going to be an important piece for the Brewers in this series. But again, he is not the same guy as as we have seen in the past. Um, you know, again, it's, it's not a, a sexy team by any means. They do get on base, which is something that the Braves will need to do. They're going to need to throw strikes and not give Milwaukee free runs. But I think going up and down this order, and of course we are totally jinxing it and they're going to score like 20 games in game one or 20 runs in game one. Um, I, I think this is something where the Braves have the advantage and at least on paper, uh, this lineup is not one that Morton and Freed and Anderson in the bullpen um, are going to have a ton of trouble with. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, obviously Adamus has been awesome, right? But at the same time, the thing that concerns me almost is the Braves' defense in a lot of ways because they they have been at times a little bit rough this year with how much that like they've kind of given up like free base runners and things like that in that way. I'm not super worried about this particular offense. So, I mean, Christian Yelich, ever since he fouled that ball off his knee and like, he just hasn't looked like the same guy. He, he was, he almost won another MVP award that like the year he got hurt. And then two years in a row, he just has, he just doesn't look like he's had the, been the same guy. He's deal with back injuries and all this other stuff. He's not a guy that I'm like super excited about the pitch to in any given circumstances because of how good he looked, but I feel like that if the Brewers win this series, they're going to win a bunch of like four to three games as opposed to like going completely wild offensively. Um, look, like Colton Wong's a very, like a good player. Willie Thomas has always been insane. Abisail Garcia's had a good year too. So what the Braves need to do is simply 
do what this offense does best and just hit home runs. And if they can score at a, at a reasonable clip, not even anything crazy, then I think that they will be able to win this series. Uh, fun fact, old friend, uh, Jace Peterson is top 10 in uh, F war uh, for the, for the, for the Brewers uh, offense this year at 0.9 war. Uh, so F war. Uh, so uh, I, I was like, is that, is that really the same guy? I kind of forget that he's still playing, but I mean, guys like, Lorenzo Kane and Christian Yelich, they're, you know, they're both serviceable players, but they're not anywhere close to where they were in the past. And when you're, when you're starting to see pitcher names kind of going, showing up pretty early, pretty early on the, the position player war side in terms of hitting and stuff like that, <laughs> then that kind of tells you what you need to know about what this offense is. Just, you know, they just need, the Braves just need to get balls in gloves and, you know, again, don't get those, give up those cheap runs where it's, you know, like you move a runner over, by, by not fielding a ball correctly or, you know, something like that and giving up sack flies and you just lose, like, close games that way. Uh, you have to hope that, you know, Eddie Rosario can kind of get over whatever issues he's having out there in the outfield and, you know, things like that, which is kind of what's going to get down to, the, like, these defensive replacement issues uh, with their bench are going to be important because you want to be able to make these plays because this is kind of a scrappy team that kind of scraps wins out uh, behind some really good pitching. But if you can really hold this offense down to where they're scoring two runs a game, I, I just don't see that they will be able to keep up with the Braves, no matter how good the starting pitching is. Yeah, that's that's a good sort of summation of what this team has been this year. And, you know, they, they were number three in all of baseball in runs allowed. So that's where their strength comes, not only from def- you know good defense, but great starting pitching this year. And that's, that's their calling card. And that, I think, is the reason, we'll get into this in a second, but Milwaukee is favored to win um, this series in the betting market right now. I think that's a combination of having home field and the fact that a, start, a short series is often starting pitching heavy, at least in the projection systems. And the Braves are good too, of course, but they're number one in the National League in Fangraph's war among starting pitchers. Um, they have a, a, a staff-wide starter ERA of 3.14 coming into the day. That's obviously ex- excellent. Um, very good in home runs, uh, home run avoidance. They're good in, a good in strikeout rate. Corbin Burns is the headliner. He is a Cy Young candidate, if not the favorite. He's one of those uh, two or three guys at the top of the list with Zach Wheeler and Max Scherzer, basically, for Cy Young stuff. He's been incredible this year. He has a 1.63 FIP on the season, uh, a, low, a low twos ERA, strikes out a ton of guys. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is their number two starter. He was top 10 this season in the National League in Fangraphs War among starters. Uh, a mid two ZRA. He was excellent. Um, but similar to the Braves in some ways, that's kind of those top two and then a little bit less from there. Uh, you know, Eric Lauer has been good lately. He's a left-hander. Freddie Peralta started off great. He kind of tailed off. So, you know, it's it's kind of two on two. And the Braves, I think, probably have the advantage at number three starter with Ian Anderson if he's pitching well. But, you know, if you want to make it as simple as humanly possible, the starting pitching matchup is going to get a lot of attention. And I think maybe rightly so, uh, just because of how much the Brewers rely on Burns and Woodruff all season long. So, I mean, Eric, is there any way to like project what the Braves can do here? Because the Braves offense, as we just kind of all said, is better, but you're facing at least two guys who were uh, flat out awesome this year. Well, it's hard to project just because one, like the offense has changed so new. They played two series against the Brewers this year and like the, the overall record was three and three, right? Um, one of the games that they lost was a game they shouldn't have lost. And they actually put some runs on, against Corbin which is again is a if you score runs off that guy you can't you can't give up more you can't give those runs back because he's not a guy that's gonna you know you're not gonna score six or seven off Corbin Burns it's just not gonna happen unless something crazy happens so 
I think that the Braves match up well in the sense that they, now that they have a lot of these platoon type guys, you know, when you have righties or lefties on the, on the mound, like you have guys like Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, or you have Adam Duvall and you have Jorge Soler that I think that now that in terms of the overall power output that I think they're going to need to win this series, that they can position lineups in a way that will allow them to have enough success against these guys to kind of, at the very least, you, you can't just get swept by Burns and Woodruff to win the series. You just can't. Uh, so you have to at least win one of those games in Milwaukee who started by those guys. They have the right two guys on the mound for the Braves to kind of keep it close. It's hard. It's if Corbin Burns is like vintage Corbin Burns and like what he's done against some teams this year, like he could be a real problem. I think that they, the Braves will be able to put win one of those games though. So again, after that, we'll see. But overall, you know, the really good starters, especially at the top. Uh, I like the matchup for the Braves once you get past those two guys. But I imagine that if we, if this series goes late, we're going to see Corbin Burns again in the series one way or the other. Well, and I hope that. You know, it's been interesting to watch this Braves lineup over the last few months because it seems like some nights they're doing such a great job of working the count, getting the pitch count up high on the starting pitcher. And then some nights it's like they have dinner reservations at 10 o'clock sharp and they're swinging at the first pitch of every single at bat. Um, and I'm sure look, that's by look at you, Ozzy. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure that's by some design based on advanced scouting and things that the three of us would never be privy to because we don't have an analytics department working for us. But I do hope, I think if there's one way to take advantage of, uh, you know, the Brewers having a slight edge with starting pitching, even as good as Morton and Freed have been recently, and even Anderson too, um, you know, if you can work their pitch count up, uh, hopefully you can chase them. Even if they're really, really good and don't give up many runs and are striking out everyone, if you can push those advance out to six, seven, eight pitches, uh, and get into that that bullpen, which is still good, but it's it's certainly not at the level of of how dominant um, B- Burns and Woodruff can be. Uh, I think that's going to be a way to to exploit their this matchup a little bit, and hopefully they're able to take advantage. Yeah, I'll be intrigued too. Is I agree, it's like Jekyll and Hyde with how they work counts at times, and and Milwaukee's bullpen is just okay. It's not incredible. Outside of Josh Hader. Josh Hader is awesome. He has a 1.25 ERA this year, and his stuff is, you know, very, very good. He's one of the best relievers in baseball, um, full stop. They did lose their second best reliever, maybe top three, to be cautious, and Devin Williams, who punched a wall, Waskar Yanoa style, uh, a couple of days ago at this point, maybe like less than a week ago. He's out for the year probably, so that's a loss for Milwaukee, definitely. They have Brad Boxberg, who's been good this year, but... I think Hater is the only guy that I'm afraid of in the bullpen. I'll say that. Um, they have some good guys. They are not bad. They're like, you know, ERA is like a little bit under four. But if it's get Corbin Burns out of there after six and go to the bullpen, um, not a Hater division, I feel pretty good about that. Same with Woodruff. So, I mean, do the Brewers have a better pitching staff than the Braves? I'm not even sure, honestly. I think that probably the answer is yes, um, just because of how good Burns has been and how good Hater is. Obviously, Hater is. I would say significantly better than anybody the Braves have in the bullpen. But if you take out that guy, which you can't do, and go you know two through seven in the bullpen, I'm not sure the Braves aren't better two through seven. So that's an interesting dichotomy. Like you know how much how much will they use Hater? How long will they let him go? Um, 
And then how good is Burns? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Burns this on paper this season has been lights out, uber elite. Can he do that against the Braves lineup in the playoff game? We, we don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't really know how to rank staff versus staff here. It, might, it just comes down to I think the Braves are a little bit more balanced and the Brewers have, you know, maybe the Cy Young favorite and maybe the best reliever in baseball. And that's uh, it's actually kind of an intriguing stylistic contrast overall. Yeah, it'll be I'm always fascinated to see how managers treat their uber elite bullpen option in a postseason series. Right. Like if if things are going sideways in the seventh inning and it looks like Freddie Freeman's going to get an at bat with the bases loaded, will Craig Council get? Uh, you know, how, does he save Hader for the ninth inning or does he, do we see Josh Hader in the seventh inning? And he is a guy who has pitched multiple innings in the past too, but that will be a fascinating dynamic, especially uh, without Devin Williams uh, in this bullpen, this series, who was their eighth inning guy basically all year. Um, I think that's a significant loss for them and what they're trying to do. And again, it will be a, you know, matchup of, of, Snitker, Brian Snitker, last year in the playoffs, I think to his credit was very good. I mean, I he agree. granted there was there was uh, you know with the DH and stuff there wasn't quite as much in game management, but I thought looking back, Snitker was very good in the playoffs last year, and Craig Council is regarded very highly for his in game work. Um, so that is kind of a you know a battle within the battle. I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad you mentioned the DH because. There's a lot. There's a lot more managing to be done. Uh, capital M managing in this playoffs than there were last year. Uh, on the bright side, there is uh, days off, so you can be a little, a little bit more aggressive, you would think. But we'll see what Snicker has to offer. Um, before we land the plane here, I'll just set the stage a little bit for like the projections. That we, I think I referenced it earlier, but um, these systems like Fangraphs and Five Thirty Eight, Baseball Reference, are kind of like coin flipish. Maybe a little bit actually lean toward the Braves right now. Um, whereas the betting market, as I referenced earlier, is a little bit towards the Brewers, like 60-40, 55-45 in favor of the Brewers. Still pretty close, though. Like There's not a huge favorite in this series. It'd be nice if the Braves had home field, which they do not. Um, and, you know, it's a five-game series, and we, we joke about the fact that anything can happen in baseball, but that is truly the case in a five-game series. It's not quite as bad as the one-game playoff, which is the stuff of nightmares. But a five-game series, like, you just have a bad you know, weekend, basically, it's not, it's not necessarily a weekend, but a bad three-day stretch, and you're going home, so there's a lot of volatility in a short series like this, um, and, you know, if, if Morton has a bad day, or if Burns has a bad day, that can swing your series, but that's sort of where we are, I mean, I think it would not, it does not offend me at all if anyone picks the Brewers in this series, um, not, not only us, but beyond that, like, national folks that don't have a rooting interest, it, it would not bother me, nor I think it's crazy, to pick the Brewers in this series. They do they are a good team. Um, they were better than the Braves this year in the, win, in the win-loss column. I think similar in terms of, like, overall metric stuff. You know, run differential is not the end-all, be-all. The Braves actually had a better run differential than the Brewers did this season by about, what, 19, 20 runs. So I think it's fair, in my opinion, to say these teams are pretty even. Uh I guess that's my way of uh, setting the stage. Now it's time to weigh up with predictions. So I'm going to go last. Uh, I'll, I'll make Eric go first. Eric, I need your overall analysis slash prediction on uh, what is going to be a fun, hopefully, playoff series. Yeah, this is really, really close for me. Um, I think that the biggest advantage that the Brewers have in this in this matchup on paper is their starting pitching with Burns and Woodruff at the top. 
I think that is effectively neutralized by having Charlie Morton and Max Freed as your one-two. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if even that both Martin and Freed were outpitched in some respects in those, both those games, but I don't think either of those guys get lit up. And I think the Braves win one of those games. You combine that with the fact that this Braves team is a good team on the road. They like, this isn't like a, a big home road split situation where, you know, this, they just play so much better in front of a home crowd. They've, they've played well on the road in hostile environments. I'm picking the Braves in five. I think that this, again, really close matchup. I just, I'm not scared of this Brewers offense. I think that the, the depth of the Braves pitching is better. Uh, you know, despite the, the scariness of some of these relievers the Braves have, I think their bullpen's better. I think that losing Devin Williams is a big deal. Uh, and I just can't envision a world where an offense led by Willie Adamas, uh, which, you know, he certainly gets some value from just how good he is defensively too. He's been awesome on both sides of the ball but he doesn't strike me as a guy that the Braves are going to let just single-handedly beat them. And I'm, again, they have some guys like if Christian Yelich like returns to form, you know, he's a guy that could easily carry a team through a playoff series, but I don't see enough of those guys in that lineup that scares me enough to think that they would be able to overcome the Braves in a five game series, especially with the way the Braves are playing right now, considering how much better I think their offense is, even with the losses that the Braves have experienced. I think that the, the, the mistakes that the that Milwaukee pitchers make are more, more likely to result in far more damage than, you know, something happening where, you know, I think that in the Brewers case, they have to hope for a big inning where like the Braves forget to field and they, you know, a bunch of balls find, you know, find daylight on the ground, a la the, you know, game five against the Cardinals. Uh, in the first inning where it just seemed like everything was dropping and like they just put together a big game and the game was over. I think that that's what the Brewers have to do offensively. Not necessarily a big inning like that, but just like innings where just like, you know, like hit after hit after hit happened. Whereas the Braves don't really have to do that. It's like, you know, they give up a walk and then all of a sudden the guy hits a home run. You know, that's just two runs right off the bat. And I don't think the Brewers are uh, are built for that over a five-game series to win it. So uh, I'm picking the Braves at five. Okay, Scott. It's time. I'm going last. So <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I am taking the Braves in four. Um, I think I love the way this team has played, especially over the last couple weeks when they, you know, and they were just barely holding ground over the Phillies and the Mets. Um, and they had those West coast road trips coming up. I was, I was pretty concerned. I thought, okay, if they're going to fall apart, this is where they're going to fall apart. It was commendable for them to stay in the race up and through the first you know, five months of the season, but there are some concerns and they have been playing as well as anyone in baseball, other than maybe the St. Louis Cardinals on their crazy run over these last few weeks. I love the lineup now moving Jorge Soler to the top spot has just changed everything. Um, I love the depth. I love the power we just talked about. Um, and I think the Braves really do match up well. I think the Brewers big advantage are their top two starters but man, the way that Charlie Morton and Max Fried are throwing the ball right now, um, especially given Morton's history of being really, really good in the postseason, he has a you know mantra of big game Morton. Um, I, I like how this this looks on paper, and of course, I'm gonna uh, you know kiss of death and jinx it. But I, I like the Braves in four. I think they'll split in Milwaukee and then come back to Truist and win two games. I think it's going to be a really fun series. But I ultimately, I think this team. 
the way they're playing is, is going to be able to pull it out and move on to the NLCS for the second year in a row. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I do think that it's totally fair to pick the Brewers. Uh, I'm not going to do that. And I'm actually on, I'm on Scott's side here in terms of uh, my pick being in four. Only because, you know, I think people that listen to the pod or follow me on Twitter or whatever know that I do have an interest in the projections and the markets and all that stuff. And, you know, I I do think in the betting market, if this thing goes to five, the Brewers will be favored in game five in Milwaukee. Now, whether you care about that or not is is fine. I mean, I'm not saying the Braves can't win in Milwaukee because they obviously can. But I think if you just go by that, if it gets to five, I think the advantage does swing a little bit to Milwaukee, especially if it's Corbin Burns on the mound in his own, in his home ballpark. That's uh, it's a lot to it's a lot to overcome. So if you're if you're the Braves, you want to finish this off in four. That's not like breaking news. That's obviously pretty clear cut. You want to want to win this thing at home and move on from there. Um, I think the Braves, as currently constructed with this new look outfield, in a short series where the fourth starter or lack thereof does not burn them as much. That actually helps the Braves, in my mind. Um, even with Milwaukee's top two, which you guys got into, I think it's kind of neutralized. If you told me to choose which two, I think you might have to lean to Burns and Woodruff this season because of how good Burns has been. But it's not a huge gap, and that's a credit to Morton and Freed. So uh, I'm going to take the Braves in four as well. Uh, I think, though, the my runner-up in terms of most likely series finale is Brewers in five. So that tells you how close I think the series is. I think it's it's like a 55-45 kind of thing in favor of the Braves. I think most likely outcome is Braves in four, followed by Brewers in five, and then maybe Braves in five after that. So that's that's how tight that is, um, all things considered. So we'll see. It's not like last year where we all kind of went into that Marlins series, like, all right, they should win the series. If they don't win the series, it's gonna you know it's kind of a disaster. If the Braves lose to the Brewers, it's not. I mean, it won't. No one will have any fun. But it won't be like this, like like uh, like an earthquake hit or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. no, you're right. Um, it'll be like, all right, that's unfortunate, but it won't feel insane. At least, maybe, I mean, maybe it will with the game with with the game states. But pre-series, it will not stun me if the Braves lose the series. But I'm picking them. I think we all are. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see how we feel. I mean, we'll we'll be here throughout, uh, whether it's the three of us or Sean or maybe special guests. Uh, we'll have podcast content after every game uh, and probably even more than that. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we get out of here? I mean, we're all on the record. We're all famously positive uh, people. So, <laughs> Braves yeah, play, hopefully. No, I'm glad you said that. Milwaukee is a very talented team. There's a reason that if they didn't just take their foot off the gas pedal over the last month, knowing that they have effectively clinched the division – And that's also something to keep an eye on the old rest versus rust. But there's a reason that the Brewers comfortably won this division. They're a good team. Um, I think they have a lot of strengths. I think the Braves are matched up very well. And I think we're in for a really, really good series. So here's hoping they're able to go on a nice little run here. And and who knows? We'll see see how things go. It is unfortunate. We have this lengthy delay between uh, now and game one, though there are some good wild card games to keep us occupied in the meantime. but yeah, hopefully it's it's a really fun series and, and the Braves can make some memories here over the next 10 days. Yeah, I mean, I do want to echo what Scott said. There, I do think there's some really fun wild card games. We were robbed of some true chaos in the American League wild card race when you know some results didn't go away when we had the <laughs> yeah. multi- multiple tiebreaker games didn't end up happening just because of how things went down. Uh, I, again, I think that the series is going to be really, really close. And we all picked the Braves to win. 
Um, somehow I was the resident pessimist amongst the three of us. Somehow that happened. Which is uh, uh, the opposite. If you're a new listener, yeah. by the way, I'm sure we have a couple. Uh, that is wild. not the way this usually goes. Uh, Scott and I are definitely more pessimistic than Eric uh, on the whole. So that's kind of funny. Yep. Uh, and so that's kind of wild. I, I think it's really close. I won't be shocked if it goes either way. Um, I, I could easily see like, you know, Burns and Woodruff just not being hittable. And that would effectively, you know, this could turn into a laugher pretty quickly, or I could see, you know, the Braves just going wild offensively. And then, you know, it, it didn't matter who you put up on the mound there. Uh, I am a bit disappointed because uh, for a, the bulk of the playoff uh, series, I will not be around. Uh, I have a previously planned family vacation. I am bringing all of my equipment in case anything particularly crazy happens. Uh, but it's likely that for the majority of the actual playoff series stuff, you're not actually going to hear from me very much. Uh, so I am really sorry about that. I promise it'll be left in good hands uh, while I'm out, while while I while I am gone. Uh, again, just the timing just didn't work out. Unfortunately, this is just a trip I have to take. But again, I'm really looking forward to kind of following from afar. And you know, I'll be chipping in here and there. You'll be able to hear my thoughts. I'll be probably pretty brief on Twitter. Uh, if so, if you don't hear my voice, that's why. So. Yeah, there you go. I mean, well, hopefully they'll make a run so that you can uh, join the festivities a little bit um, you know, in the, mid- in the middle. And I have some travel too during the during October for work and we'll bounce around, but I, I promise we will be here, whether it's the three of us or Sean or anybody else that will contribute to the podcast. Uh, last year, we pretty much went every day for the month of October. It was a lot of fun uh, until the end when it wasn't, uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll have wall to wall coverage. Again, if you are a new listener, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, you will get this show. You will get road to Atlanta, which is our minor league show that Eric heads up with uh, a team of all-stars talking about the minor league side. And then also, also, also the daily hammer. Uh, the daily hammer is a fun, is a fun uh, daily look as you might have expected by the name with Sean Coleman. Most of the time, Sean's done a great job with that in the last couple of months. And uh, he'll be talking about the wild card games. I'm sure this week, as well as some, some uh, news and notes in advance of the series. So please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Thank you very much to Scott, who you can find at Scott Colin 55 on Twitter. Thank you also to Eric, who you can find at Leprechaun, where he breaks news all the time. Call him the Ken Rosenthal of Brave Minor League Baseball. And then follow me if you'd like to at BT Roland, as well as the site at Talking Chop and Chris Willis, who is uh, editor-in-chief, uh, lord of all things, at Chris underscore Willis on Twitter as well. Definitely follow Chris. Yeah, check out Chris. He's got he's 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 the guy on on Zoom and uh, you know press conferences and all that stuff too. It'll be live tweet for sure. Thanks to you gentlemen. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll be back again later on this week. Now let's enjoy this one again. Mm-hmm.